Coming to you from the breakfast taco capital of the world, it's the most unique hour of sports talk streaming worldwide. Worldwide. And beyond. And beyond. Live from the Alamo City, it's the Two Shots Podcast, hosted by Joe Garcia. Welcome to another episode of these Two Shots Podcast. I'm going to be joined by my good friend here, Noah Magaro George. He's going to be joining us from Pounding the Rock. Welcome, Noah. It's been quite some time, but I know we've all been busy, you know, and holiday season is here. <laughs> so we've been spending time with family, taking in some games. You've been busy writing. I've been busy doing some things behind the scenes. So how have you been? I've been great. Like I said before we started recording, I'm a little tired, but like you told me, that just means you're busy, you're productive, and I'm also spending time with my fiance and some of our friends. So it's been nice to see them. My family's coming up to see me this weekend for my birthday. So I'm really excited. I'm happy to join you and I'm ready to get going. Yeah. You know, we got a lot to talk about, you know, some trade talk, let's put it like that, came through the pipe here <laughs> about <laughs> Domates Sabonis and the Indiana Pacers are one of the teams to, you know, you know, be out there saying, hey, we're interested in maybe getting some assets, maybe trading some of our players because it looks like they might be going into full rebuild mode at this point. So they want to get some assets for some of their their players that are, you know, rightfully so have been staples with this team, this young team. So the Spurs have been mentioned and maybe, you know, one of those teams that might be interested in trading for one Domates Sabonis. And who wouldn't want to have this this kid come over here and play for your team. I mean, he's a solid pick, you know, so a solid player uh, to go ahead and, you know, kind of surround your other pieces with. So, Noah, is this something that really has some merit or is it one of those things that's just purely for clickbait? What What are your thoughts? I think it's partially for, for the clicks. I mean, there's probably some truth to it, right? I mean, if Shams and The Athletic are talking about it and they say that the Spurs are one of the teams interested, no doubt, I'm sure a, a bevy of teams are interested in Sabonis. He's an all-star. He's a, what, a two-time all-star. He's a guy who can make your team better. I think the question is how much are you going to have to give up to get such a player? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing. How much are we willing to give up, you know, to go ahead and get somebody kind of, you know, with the talents of Sabonis. The thing is, you know, what do we have right now? We have a budding, you know, on the rise, possibly, you know, NBA All-Star material, uh, maybe in this upcoming NBA All-Star game, and one DeJounte Murray, you know, who's been just lighting it up from the beginning of the season. He's just been playing outstanding, so much so he's getting noticed by almost every other team out there, you know. And not only that, but a lot of, you know, the four-letter networks and Fox News, uh, Fox Sports, <laughs> should I say, have been talking about him, you know, and rightfully so. Even NBA TV has mentioned him. Um, so, I mean, beyond him, we do have some of these younger assets on the team. But if we're going to go ahead and really throw out a trade offer, who are we going to wrap up beyond, okay, we're going to have to get rid of maybe DeJounte, maybe Keldon. Uh, maybe you're going to have to get rid of some of your other younger younger pieces. I mean, we can throw Lonnie in the mix. I know a lot of Spurs fans aren't really happy with Lonnie, but at the end of the day, I mean, are we going to wind up giving up Vassell too? You know, do we want to give up, you know, maybe Primo? <laughs> you know, I mean, what are we willing to give up to get, get Sabonis? And then at the end of the day, what is this team going to look like? Spurs fans kind of think that if we get a, a star or we get, you know, a, a, somebody who has the talents of one Sabonis instantly makes the team better. But in fact, 
if we give up everything to get this one player, how much worse could it look, Noah? Yeah, exactly. If you sell the farm to get a player who's an all-star, and that's not to take away for DeMontis Sabonis. He is a very good player, but you look at his emergence and how the Indiana Pacers have fared over the last couple of years. The first year he was an all-star, they went 45-28. and 28. That's pretty okay, but they lost in the first round. Last year they missed the playoffs. This year they're on pace to miss the playoffs. And so people, I think, at least in the fan base, and I understand it, fans want to have fun. They, they want to get excited. They want an all-star. But he's not a top-tier star. He's not a superstar. He's probably not even the Robin to someone's Batman. He's probably along that third tier of star that DeJounte is blossoming into. So if you're going to give up stuff for him, one, I think this is a, the first and most important point you got to make here is they're also trying to rebuild, and you're sort of in a rebuild yourself. And rebuilding teams, they usually want the same thing. They want young assets, they want draft picks, and they want cap flexibility. And I don't know that you're going to be able to offer a lot to the Pacers that's going to entice them when it comes to DeMontis Sabonis. You know, can you offer Thaddeus Young? Sure, but he's a 33-year-old, going to be 34-year-old vet. So he doesn't really fit the mold of what they want. You may be willing to give up, what, two first-round picks, maybe three. That mortgages your future. You're a small market team. You have historically built through the draft. Every single superstar who's come through here, you have found through the draft. And the last thing is the young players who are on your team who match the salaries, you're going to have to give up someone like Derek White, who, let's be honest, he's been good recently, but he's a 28-year-old. I don't think that they want him. He's redundant with what Malcolm Brogdon brings to the table. DeJounte Murray is probably off the table because you want to keep him around. So then you turn and you look, well, who can you offer them, really? I mean, if you want to give Devin Vassell away, do you want to give Josh Primo away? You know, maybe you're willing to do that. But like you mentioned, you get rid of all these young assets. You get rid of first-round picks. You're mortgaging your future for a guy who... Again, not to be rude to him, he is a fantastic player. He's a Spurgeon player, but he's just not the guy. And I think the Indiana Pacers saying, hey, we're blowing it up, we're starting over again, that's a direct signal that they also believe he is not the guy. And in the NBA to win, you got to have the guy. No one was coming to Indiana to play with DeMontis Sabonis, and no one's coming to San Antonio to play with DeMontis Sabonis if you clear this roster. So that's how I feel about it. That's how I think a lot of analysts have looked at it, but... I understand fans want to get a guy to San Antonio, but I think we got to be patient and see out the developmental process for the players who are already on this roster. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing, like we keep talking about, you know, what are we willing to give up in order to obtain, you know, better talent, you know? And again, not not a knock on Sabonis, but he's one of these guys that you want to surround a superstar, a budding superstar with, not the superstar on your team, you know? Uh, so, again, we're we're left with this conundrum where I know that a lot of Spurs fans want to see the team get better. But I think at this juncture, we have to just be patient. We have to let this young team figure things out. I think they're on the right trajectory right now. No, even though the record doesn't you know, show that they are a winning team, I think they're trending in the right direction. It shows right now that this young core is actually growing. They're learning. They're starting to figure some things out. And putting some things together. Another rumor that we had out there was the rumor of Cam Reddish out there on the trading block. Again, Spurs fans have gone to the trade machine, you know, <laughs> being cute with the trade machine. I mean, what are the what do you think the chances are of the Spurs wanting to trade for somebody like Cam Reddish too? You know, again, the Spurs fans they just want something, you know, added to this team because they want they want to get excited again, you know. But how likely is this going to happen? I mean, he's a decent young player. But if you look at it through this lens, 
What are the reasons that make the Spurs fans frustrated with Lonnie Walker? He has a ton of potential. He's got all the athleticism in the world, but he doesn't shoot very good percentages. He hasn't brought a lot to the table. He's been good defensively, not great. And so if those are your concerns with Lonnie Walker, that's what you're going to be getting in Cam Reddish. He hasn't shot above 40% or above 42% in his entire career. He's not an efficient offensive piece. He's one of those nice big wings that you like. The guys are about 6'8", 6'9". You know, he can guard a little bit better on mismatches in the post. He's going to give you a little bit more resistance. But I think it's a lateral move, especially if you're giving up a first-round pick or you're giving up somebody like maybe Thaddeus Young. But if you do give up Thaddeus Young, and that's totally fine if you're getting a a Cam Reddish in return, but they're also going to have to hand you somebody. Is it a bad contract? I don't know that there's a lot of those out there. I'm not even familiar with everybody in terms of contract-wise on that Atlanta Hawks roster. So, no, I think it's pretty unrealistic to expect him to end up in San Antonio. And we haven't heard anything about him wanting to be here or the Spurs having any interest in, in, in him either. Certainly an intriguing young guy, but not someone who's a needle mover. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree with you in that regards as well. You know, it's just one of these things that you're going to hear about. Teams are probably interested in making some trades to try to get better, better just like, you know, uh, one like the Hawks, you know. They're always in the talks of, you know, wanting to add assets because they're <laughs> going to want to get further into the playoffs than they have been so far. And you can see that it's it's no surprise that there is something missing on this team, you know, and they're looking for that extra push to get them over that hump, which, you know, almost every team at, at, at some juncture is looking for, you know, including us, the San Antonio Spurs. You know, it's not my team, but we're fans of the team and we do want to see them get better. <laughs> so we don't have any influence and. In, and what Pop and the front office do. We're just sitting by here, just waiting, hoping, crossing our fingers that something will happen. So I think it's uh, smart for us to go ahead and finally, Noah, go ahead and put the Ben Simmons rumors to rest (laughs) at this juncture. We've heard so much about Ben Simmons to the Spurs, Spurs fans getting so excited about bringing Ben Simmons to the Spurs, and he's going to be better than DeJounte. And, you know, people were really not high on DeJounte and now they're kind of eating crow, you know? So it's like, do you still want to trade for Ben Simmons? You know? Um, but at this point, uh, Sham Shernaya went on Twitter today and he was, you know, kind of putting it out there. These are the teams that are really interested in trading for one Ben Simmons. Didn't see the San Antonio Spurs mentioned in there anywhere. So I think <laughs> it's pretty safe to say the asking price is pretty high. Noah, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Spurs should be all that interested in Ben Simmons. We saw Daryl Morey this offseason say, hey, we want young players and we want four first-round draft picks and potentially two pick swaps. If you're a small market team like San Antonio, you build through the draft, you are not clearing house for a guy in Ben Simmons who, let's not get this twisted, he is an excellent player. He's one of the best playmaking bigs in the NBA. He is a big man, a point guard in a big man's body. He is one of the best defenders in the league. He finished second in Defensive Player of the Year voting a year ago. But let's look at it through this lens, too. He really hasn't made that many improvements since he came into the league first overall pick. He's been content with where he is. He's been a problem in Philadelphia. They haven't handled the situation well either. But that's not really a guy that I think that the San Antonio Spurs should be that interested in. And I wouldn't read into him saying, oh, you know, I want to play for Pop or I like Pop. LeBron James has said that. Plenty of star players have said that over the year. You know, if, if you're a player and you're getting asked about Pop, what are you going to say? No, I hate the guy. No, he's a bad guy. Oh, I don't want to play for that guy. That guy stinks. Like, these guys have, you know, microphones in front of them. They have agents to get things out there. They're not going to jeopardize their relationship with people around the league, especially someone as revered as Popovich. So 
I wouldn't read into him saying, oh, I like pop. Like, of course he does. Everyone does, really. So it, it just, for me, you got to put these to rest. I'm tired of talking about Ben Simmons. I know you are. <laughs> I was in the Twitter spaces earlier hosting one that I do every day, and somehow his name always ends up in the conversation, always. and I just roll my eyes because, I, you know, he's a great player. I'd love to have him on the Spurs, but for the price tag, it just doesn't make sense. Exactly. That price tag is going to be pretty high, and you're going to have to gut the team in order to bring him over here and possibly even give up some first-round picks. So you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage for a couple of seasons, you know? So for a, a couple of more seasons, you're going to even be looking worse than we are now. So I don't think that's going to go over well with not only the front office, but also with the fans, because they're the ones that go to the games and buy the tickets and buy the merch. And if the team's not winning, it affects the team's bottom line. The team isn't dumb unless, you know, they're really trying to tank, which in that case, they're going to have to do a better job than the Pelicans. You know, so it's it's not going to happen. The Spurs, I think, are going to be OK. Just be patient. Give it a couple of seasons, Spurs fans. Things will start looking better. Trust me. <laughs> so let's go ahead and circle back here and talk about the San Antonio Spurs and what they're doing right now. You know, yes, they lost a couple games, but they're back on the winning winning track again because they beat the Pelicans. You know, and of course, I mean, who who didn't expect the Spurs not to go ahead and beat the Pelicans. I mean, I think we all kind of expected that. If if the Spurs had lost this game, that would have kind of been surprising. Pelicans did put up a fight, you know, despite not having a full roster. Kept the Spurs, you know, they were there with the Spurs probably for, for uh, three quarters, you know. And then in the fourth quarter, Spurs finally woke up and decided, you know what? Let's put them away. And that's exactly what they did as they won, uh, they won the game against the Pelicans by a final score of 112 to 97. But during all this... I want to go ahead and talk about what's been going on with the complexion of the team itself. Fans were not really happy with one Derek White in the beginning. He kind of, you know, what looked like he still needed to find some rhythm and, you know, figure some things out, you know. Same thing with Jakob Portal, you know, fans kind of didn't like Jakob, but Jakob looked great, you know. He was actually putting up some <laughs> quality minutes. I, I dare say he's probably been one of the mo most consistent players that we've had on the team. You know, along with DeJounte Murray. Um, so I like everything that's happening with the San Antonio Spurs in the direction that they're trending. But I have to say, during the Spurs and their, you know, their winning streak, we have to go ahead and give praise to not only Derek White and what he's been able to do as far as his game. His game has been amazing as of late. But also we have to look at another uh you know, somebody who's been playing really solid as of late as well, even, in, you know, since the beginning of the season. And that is the, you know, the play of one Yaka Portal. When you have not only Derek White, but Yaka Portal playing at such a high level, and you go ahead and pair that with DeJounte, and then you're getting, you know, good minutes or decent minutes out of Keldon, this is a, a pretty good team. They can pretty much compete with anyone, you know, and dare I say, they can go ahead and string together a couple of wins, not just win one game, lose three win another game, lose two, but maybe win two games, three games in a row, four games in a row, you know, when the team is playing at a high level. And I think a lot of that has to do with Derek White and Jakob Portal. Noah, go ahead and give us some information on how well these players have played uh, over the course of, let's say, the last month. Yeah, so you really saw this turnaround start after that huge loss to the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they were just completely beat down by Atlanta and then it all starts with that Boston game on November 26th. And since then, over those nine games, Derek White's 19.2 points per game. He's picked things up from the field. He's still been pretty bad from three, 
but overall his production has been better. The only thing that I can say for Derek White that I would like to see more of is consistency because you have 17 against Boston on really bad shooting, then he comes out really good against Washington, 24, then he has 12 against Portland, then 25 against the Warriors, then 12 against Phoenix, then 26 against the Knicks, the 23 against Denver, the second game against Denver, he has 10, and then you know the next night he comes out with 24. So over this stretch, collectively the numbers look good, but the consistency still isn't quite there, and that's what you need from Derek White, right? And as long as he is playing consistently aggressive basketball, he can take it to another level. Now, Derek White isn't an all-star. He's probably not a superstar or anything like that. But when he is playing with confidence, and this is something that Jesse Blanchard on Twitter told me, and I thought, hey, this is actually a great point that he's making here. When Derek White plays with confidence, he has some star qualities to him. Right when he's not afraid to shoot the ball, when he's not afraid to take it to the hole, when he's not afraid to, you know, try to draw fouls, when he's not afraid to launch passes left and right, he's not afraid to miss little windows. He plays with a lot of confidence. He is a really good player. And so with Derek White, as long as he's playing good, you're going to have a chance to win every single night. He's one of the keys to victory. So Derek doing really well recently. We know what he brings on the defensive end. If he's more consistent on the offensive end, it only makes San Antonio that much more dangerous. Now, they're not a title contender. They may not make the playoffs, but like you said, they're going to be competitive every night. And I think that's something that we talked about before the season started, that yeah, this team can be competitive every night, even if they don't make the finals or the conference finals or the second round. This team has enough talent and enough execution across the roster. They know what the assignment is, right? And every night they go out and execute it. Don't foul the other team. Don't send them to the line. You know, force turnovers. Uh, you know, don't commit a lot of turnovers yourself. And they've done that pretty much every single night. And, you know, it's no surprise that they have been competitive except for maybe one or two nights this season. So happy with Derek White for sure. Yeah, you know, another player that's kind of caught my eye and since the beginning of the season, especially with that second unit, because we could use all the help we can get off that bench. You know, the bench is not been great you know <laughs> to start the season compared to the other benches around the around the league that are actually performing quite well uh but they're they're okay you know i mean yeah we we want something better a better product out there but one of the bright spots for the spurs bench this season i think has been one devin vassell devin vassell i expected the kid to come out and have just a stellar season and sure enough he's been playing great basketball um yes he was injured he came back again um, and I like everything I'm seeing out of Devin Vassell. I mean, what have you seen that has surprised you about this kid? Nothing really. Um, you know, the first season that he was with the Spurs, it was really tough for him. I mean, most rookies, they get the training camp, they get the preseason, you know, they get to learn the, the playbook and they have a ton of time to practice with their teammates and get to know everybody. And that COVID, yeah, I mean, we're still in COVID times, obviously, but that COVID season, that first one as your rookie season, you know, they weren't practicing on their off days. They didn't have a training camp. He just was thrown right into the mix and they said, hey, you know, let, we need you. And so for, for a guy like that, who I think a lot of people expected to be a 3 and D guy, he had no time to breathe. He just had to do it right off the bat. He had to perform and he had a pretty good rookie season. And I think now that he has had a training camp and a preseason and had time to get to know the playbook and the system and, the, and his teammates, he looks kind of like the player that we expected him to be. He's taking a few more shots off the, uh, off the dribble from mid-range. He's playing that same stingy defense off-ball. He's become a better on-ball defender, which is a really nice development for him. But everything else, I think it's been expected. I mean, we knew he could shoot the three-ball. We knew he could play defense. We knew that he was a high IQ player, and I'm really happy with that pick still. I mean, you know I love Devin Vassal. I was excited when they drafted him, one of my favorite guys in that draft. So 
just happy to have him on the roster and hopefully he becomes more. You know, hopefully he continues to build on what he's done and he becomes something special down the line. Now, you know, it's not guaranteed for everybody, but having a little bit of optimism isn't bad, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's all we can do. You know, I think that's the mantra for this season. Have some optimism. <laughs> you got to look for the bright spots. We kind of knew this was going to happen with the team, you know, because we, we lost some of our veterans. We lost, you know, one DeMar DeRozan. And, you know, we knew that the team was going to have some struggles. And it showed early, you know, that they were struggling. And now, as of late, they've been playing a lot better. Uh, they still have lapses here and there like they did against the Denver Nuggets. And I kind of told my friend Jonas, um, he's like, oh, I, I picked the Spurs to win against the Nuggets. I said, they're still young and inconsistent. You know, I said, unfortunately, just because they won the previous game, I didn't believe that they would win the second game of the back-to-back against the Nuggets. And sure enough, you know, the the dreaded third quarter <laughs> showed its ugly head again. And that's all she wrote, <laughs> you know, so, but, it, but it is what it is. You know, you're going to look for the bright spots. And as long as the team is trending in the right direction and you're seeing some growth, I'm okay with the losses. You're not going to have this team be super competitive every single night. But as long as you're seeing that competitive nature in them, you're seeing them out there making the right decisions, you're looking at what your young core is going to go ahead and do and how they're learning from game to game. I think there's some things that you can still take away, even in a loss. Uh, like our good friend uh, Vicky uh, went ahead and coined the other day, <laughs> the silver and black lining. <laughs> you know, So uh, that's what we're looking at now, the silver and black lining on every single game. But I'm happy with the way that the team has kind of put some things together. And I'm going to ask you a question as we bring this uh, to a close here. I want to ask you about Josh Primo because he is a hot topic of discussion among Spurs Twitter. You have half a Spurs Twitter who says, let's just forego the G League development and let's just put the kid in because he looks ready now. And I got to say, you know, the kid does look ready. You know, I, I think that, you know, when he had him, when they had him here for those couple of games and they sent uh, Camp and they had also sent, uh, who was it? Yuck Landell back, you know, to the Austin G League. Uh, San Antonio, you know, the Austin Spurs team. And they kept Primo. People were like, hey, maybe the kid's going to have a permanent spot on the roster. <laughs> and that was because Devin Vassell was injured. You know, Primo was yeah. there for insurance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so everybody was getting excited. But in your eyes, do you think that the team should just go ahead and forego the G League and just go ahead and throw Primo in the fire? Or do you think, you know, developing the kid and giving him some time, some seasoning over there with the Austin Spurs is the right move? I guess it all depends on how you view Josh Primo. And speaking from how the front office talked about Primo after they drafted him, they want to be a guy who can create for himself, who can create for others, and a guy who's, you know, low turnovers, the Spurs way, finding teammates, shooting three balls if you can. And look, he does something that nobody on the roster can do. He can shoot threes off the dribble, and he does it at a relatively efficient clip. But if you just want him to be the guy he was at Alabama the guy who's running off ball screens, the guy who doesn't have the ball in his hands, who's spotting up in the corners. Yeah, he's ready for that. I mean, he proved he's ready for that. But if you want him to be what the Spurs ask him to be and you you want him to be someone who can handle the ball, who can make for a place for himself, who can create for his teammates, then no, he's not ready. He's not even close to being ready. I was at both of the Austin Spurs games this weekend in Dallas and you know he only played in one of them. And he did everything that he was doing before he left the Austin Spurs. I know people see, oh, you know, he's averaging 17 points per game and it's, you know, six assists per game. He's also made the second most turnovers in the G League this season. He's also been a net negative for the Austin Spurs this season. 
He's also shot below average from three point percentage from three this season. So he's a guy who has a long way to go. He's learning how to be a playmaker. He's learning how to balance playmaking with scoring. He's learning when he needs to be aggressive throughout the game. He's learning how to, you know, not commit poor turnovers, how not to miss reads. And if you want him to be the guy, if you want him to be a potential star like the Spurs think he might have the capacity to be, then you leave him in the G League for seasoning. Because let's be honest, in San Antonio, where is he getting the ball handling reps, those pick and roll possessions, all those shots? He's not. DeJounte Murray and Derek White get all of those opportunities on ball. And then Lonnie Walker and Trey Jones, they get the scraps. So if they get the scraps and those other two, they have all the possessions, what does Josh Primo get? Nothing. If you want him to be a spot-up shooter, great. You should have traded down and gotten him at 16 or 19. Because if you're taking a spot-up shooter inside the lottery when you're not a playoff team, that doesn't make any sense. So I understand Spurs fans wanted to be here. I understand that they think he was really good. But none of the shots that he's made for the Spurs in the regular season so far have been self-created. They've all been assisted. They've all been in transition. Or they've all been off a catch-and-shoot opportunity. And we knew he could do that. But we want him to be more. So if you want him to be more, you got to be patient. Got to let him go through the Austin Spurs process. You know, he's not Devin Vassell. He's not a guy who was projected to be a 3 and D guy. He's a guy that they want to have the ball in his hands, and he's learning how to do that. So just be patient. That That's what I would tell Spurs fans. I know we don't want to be, but he got to be a little more patient. Yeah, I think it, it speaks for himself, too, because when he does get minutes with the Spurs, one of the things you do see him do out there is he defers a lot to the veterans, you know, and in his eyes, you know. The guys that have been there a little bit long, more than he has, he looks to them first instead of, you know, taking that wide open shot. He wants to pass and get them involved first. And I think that just speaks to the mindset of where he's at right now. You know, he wants to go ahead and still continue to get playing time. And he's just trying to figure things out right now. You know, he might be a little be a, he might be a little bit unsure at times of what he needs to do out there. You know, like be when he's given the ball and in a wide open shot scenario. Instead of just taking that shot and being confident, he still defers and looks around, you know. So I think, you know, by him getting some playing time over with the Austin, you know, in the Austin G League, with the Austin Spurs, that's going to do him some good. I would like to see him here, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I would love to see the kid on the team and get minutes, but who are you going to kind of sit on the bench then? You know, if that's the case. I mean, there's only so many minutes to go around, and I understand why Coach Pop goes ahead and they do recall Wieskamp, they do recall Primo, because they want to go ahead and give him some minutes here and there. And I think that's done purposefully uh, because they want to show the kids how much more they have to work on their game at that when they get to that next level. They're getting a little taste of that NBA action. Then they go back to the G League and go play with the Austin Spurs, and they're going to work harder and harder and harder because they know if they want to get some quality minutes, they still have a lot to work on. But they're trending in the right direction. I mean, the kid, I mean, you just love to see him play, man. The kid's always smiling. That's the, the thing that I love about Primo. And I think that's what fans love about the kid is that he's just so humble. He's just having fun out there, always smiling. It looks like he's having a blast every time you see him. He's just happy to be there. And I think that's what Spurs fans love, that inflection of that youthful energy. I mean, how can you just not love the kid, you know, Noah? I mean, he's great. Yeah, I mean, just getting to see him up close and personal. I was there about an hour before the game start. He's out there. He's taking shots. He's joking around with teammates. He's smiling. He's happy to be alive. And I think he's happy to be part of the Spurs organization. I mean, he he's, he seems to trust the process. 
you know, he he hasn't once in any G League, and I've watched him in every single game. Maybe he's hung his head for a second because he missed a shot, but there's not been a single second that he's been, you know, head down on the bench or, man, we're losing, you know, shoulders slumped. Like, he's disappointed in himself when he doesn't perform, but it's not through bad body language. He's not, you know, he's not blaming it on other people. He holds himself accountable. The coaching staff with Peter Bozic there in the Austin Spurs hold him accountable, and he's just a great kid. Like, you, you're really excited to see him play. He has some really special special flashes and if they want him to turn those flashes into consistent NBA production one day, you know, it's got to be in the Austin Spurs system. And that's OK. You know, he, he's learning and he's growing and maybe literally, too. I mean, he's six, six. He's still 18. You can always hope he grows a few inches, becomes one of those, you know, big wings, big forwards who can handle the ball, too. So, you know, the future's bright for Josh Primo. They've just got to be patient and we've got to see how this developmental process. You don't want to speed things up, especially when you're a team that's really in no place to contend. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and bring the show to an end, but I just want to ask you one thing. The Spurs are going to finish the month of December out, you know, coming up here shortly. Uh, They got nine games left for the whole month. They got games against the Hornets tomorrow, against the Jazz, the Kings, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Pistons, the Jazz again, the Heat, and the Grizzlies to finally, you know, finish out uh, the month of December and also 2021. What do you think the Spurs are going to do? What's your feeling telling you? What's your gut t- going to tell you with these nine games left? Do you think this team will be able to string together maybe another two, three, maybe four game winning streak? I don't know if they'll be able to string together a long winning streak, but San Antonio's schedule really even going back to Boston has been pretty favorable. I mean, you look at Boston, they were in turmoil. They had a lot of players who weren't really getting along that well. Jason Tatum has struggled. Jason Brown or Jalen Brown was on a minutes restriction. You know, Portland Trailblazers without Dame, without Nazir Little, Anthony Simons gets injured. The Suns didn't have Devin Booker. The Knicks on a back to back. The Nuggets are missing like six rotational players. You know, the Pelicans don't have Zion and the worst team in the NBA. Like they've built some good momentum. And I think they still have some favorable matchups like COVID has ravaged the Hornets. They'll probably be without LaMelo Ball and without Terry Rozier and without Mason Plumlee. That's three starters, two of their top scorers, their top rebounder and their two leading assist men. Like that seems like a win to me. I think the Jazz game is the only one where you look at and go, OK, that might be an automatic loss. You know, the Jazz are really good. They've flown under the radar because of the Warriors and because of teams like uh, even the Suns, like we mentioned. But the rest of those games, I mean, those feel winnable, right? I mean, they can beat the Kings. The Kings are not very good. They fired their head coach. The Clippers have been trending in the wrong direction. They've been close with the Lakers, so there's a chance they pick up a win there. The Pistons are the worst team in the Eastern Conference, so that's probably a win for them. They might lose again against the Jazz, but the Miami Heat are without Bam Adebayo. A few players of theirs have COVID, so it just seems like there's a good chance they can win like four, maybe even five games against... Even the last one, I think, is the Grizzlies for them. Yeah. That feels winnable. They may not have jaw. They may, at that point, who knows what COVID's going to do to anyone, including the Spurs. So, you know, knock on wood, hope everyone's healthy for every team. But this is a favorable schedule. And right now they have a good chance to pull closer and closer to 500. And that may change their mindset for the rest of the season. Yeah. If you look at, you know, the standings, they're just a couple of games out, you know, from being, you know, hey, we may be flirting with that playing game again, you know. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, if they go ahead and just find ways to win and keep it close and keep things in striking distance, you never know what can happen, you know? So we'll just have to have a wait and see attitude, but I'm just going to enjoy the growth and development of the team. I don't really care what happens this season. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. I think you did too, Noah. So as we bring the show to a close, Noah, where can everybody follow you on social media and where can they go to see all the great articles 
not only your writing, but also the staff uh, that you go ahead and, you know, do your wonderful podcast with, you know, which <laughs> I love hearing. And I helped you come up with the name. So it was fun, you know, brainstorming for the name. So where can they go ahead and follow you? Yeah, first off, thank you so much for having me. I always have a blast talking Spurs basketball with you. It's been a while, and I'm, I'm glad that I was here with you. But Spurs fans can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. You can find me on my YouTube channel. I haven't been as active there. Just my name, Noah Magaro George. You can find my work at Pounding the Rock. I'm a contributor and editor there. So we've got a lot of good things going up on the site every single day from a just a great group of writers Really good stuff across the board. And then you can find me at Alamo City Limits. And like Joe said, he helped me name that podcast. We were at a Chester's Burger in San Antonio. Great burgers, good company with Joe. Um, our, our buddy Mac was there as well. It was a good time. And uh, yeah, just check out everything I got going on and, and make sure to tune into everything that Joe does as well. I mean, great guy, great content. Always love talking with you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a blast like always, Noah, having you on here. And, you know, they can go ahead and follow me too on social media at Two Shots Podcast. All spelled out, T-W-O, Two Shots Podcast. And we're going to be a little bit more active as well in our YouTube channel. I think we've all kind of taken a little break because of the <laughs> holiday season, spending time with family again. So this is probably going to be one of the last shows that we're going to do for the year because we're going to kind of take a little break. But hopefully everybody has a great holiday season. And, you know, want to wish everybody a happy new year as well. Stay safe out there. And for Noah Magaro, George, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you all for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind, we're out, peace.